The Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. Personal Finance brought to you by Satrix. Invest in global funds. Invest with Satrix. Now, Warren Ingram. Lots of confusion this week around how retirement funds can invest. There's something called Regulation 28. We've mentioned it many, many times. Regulation 28 is infamous because in investing circles, you know that it limits the amount of money that can be invested on your behalf offshore. 30%, I think, outside the country, another 10% on African investments outside of South Africa. The balance has to be on the JSE, and it means that Because of the shocking performance of the JSE for as long as it has been, most retirement funds have underperformed inflation, certainly dramatically underperformed um, the global markets over the last five years. This week, a bombshell announcement from the Reserve Bank, and it suggests that if you choose to, you can invest 100% of your retirement savings globally, and it gets people terribly excited. Then the Financial Sector Conduct Authority, which regulates pension funds, says... No, 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 no. Not so quickly. We haven't been told about this. We're trying to understand the implications. Is that correct so far? I've tried to summarize it. It's a Yeah, that's a very good summary. I think the, the, the only uh, point of disagreement will be the Reserve Bank's notice uh, actually didn't say anything about pension funds at all. Uh, oh, and okay. I think that's where, you know, so they, they talk about institutional investors. And, and so I'm, I'm not to, you know, not to try and sort of nitpick, but I think, uh, you know, retirement funds are a very specific category of investments. And so institutional investors, I think, you know, it's a bit vague in terms of what they mean there, but but certainly then they didn't refer to, to retirement funds uh, in any way, shape or form. Okay, but they said institutional and, and I, investors could invest more offshore. And that was then taken by some asset managers to be your retirement savings can go offshore. Yeah. Uh, so, so actually, uh, th- th- this is where the, my, my, my soapbox kicks in. I, I, I mean, I think it was, it almost feels to me like willful, it's sort of willful misreading of it to get, uh, to get uh, press coverage. You know, this is kind of, it feels to me like PR sabotage. You know, it's, uh, I, I mean, I, I spoke to a couple of different people in the last day or two who are in this industry and some of them are the legal experts. And they're saying, you know, I, I mean, you know, one of the people out there was saying, no, we've got legal opinion and, you know, we, we, we're absolutely right. We're going to change our retirement fund uh, rules immediately. And, and the lawyers are saying there's nothing in there that, that, can, that, that can help you make that conclusion. It's, not, it's just not possible. Uh, and I think the point here is the Reserve Bank controls certain, uh, you know, bodies and, and, and certainly is responsible for, for certain parts of our, of our regulations, but they've got absolutely nothing to do with retirement funds. You know, that is the FSCA and they are the word, the last word on this thing. And, and until we hear something from them, it's impossible to come to a different conclusion. So, so I feel this is, you know, these are people that are being opportunistic. They're trying to get on the bandwagon. Uh, and, and, you know, this is something that, uh, you know, was actually raised already in October by, by, by the finance minister. So, uh, I, I mean, I can understand the regulation, and it's actually a really exciting regulation for totally different reasons. And it's got much okay. more to do with... Explain what's exciting from this, this regulation at the Reserve Bank, because I think we're going to get ourselves tied in knots, because this is massively technical stuff so this there is something has changed what has actually changed 
Like, uh, so, so, so the, the very short answer for, for, for private individuals is assume for now nothing's really changed in, in, in a private individual's life. We can send out our 10 million rand a year. We can, we can and we have always been able to buy rand-denominated overseas in, investments. So we can buy, you know, they call them, uh, you know, feeder funds where if it's a unit trust that buys overseas markets or, you know, um, ETFs that are, that are available on the world market or the, you know, the U.S. market or whatever. So, so from that perspective, this, this doesn't change change our lives at all as a private individual. However, th this is an attempt by, by the regulators to make the JSE, the actual stock exchange, much more competitive than it's been in the past. Because at the moment, let, you know, let's just say, uh, you know, a South African company wants to raise uh, funding overseas. They want to borrow, you know, 100 million euros. And, uh, you know, the euro interest rate is, you know, pretty much zero or negative. So it's very attractive for them to do that. If they wanted to do that today via a bond, you know, the company wanted to issue a bond, they would need to list that bond on another stock exchange overseas, which means that you know, the South African market just gets smaller. You know, capital is getting funded overseas and raised overseas. South African investors can't benefit from that unless they then go overseas and access those. And that's the big change here. Now, a South African company can list a bond on in, in South Africa on a South African stock exchange, which will um, be paid back in rand. So, so it is it is rand denominated, but the the basis of it is a euro loan at euro interest rates. So, so it starts to widen the access to capital, and it's to stop the money flowing out of South Africa. Uh, so, so to me, that's the primary reason that, that that this is happening. And the second thing is, we've got all these complex structures based on uh, you know, on, on our history. You know, with if you look at something like Richmond, you know, which is you know it's listed. Where is it actually listed? And actually, you know, what do you own if you own the South African version? And you know, look at ninety one. But all these weird structures that that come about because of our exchange control history, uh, and this is an attempt to start to clean that up. And actually make it easier for companies to to raise capital over you know in in foreign currencies, but but do it through the through the local stock market. So that's the exciting part, actually, not 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 for you and me and you know everyone else out there. If the FSEA says something in the future to say, hang on, we're going to increase the offshore allowance of of retirement funds, that's a different game. All right. So there is an exciting development from a Reserve Bank perspective. It does not at this stage, translates to the way in which my pension money can be invested. And that's so disappointing because I got quite excited at this because I'd, I'd happily say to the South African government, you know what, you want prescribed assets. You want to use 10% of my retirement savings to invest in projects in South Africa. By all means, the quid pro quo is you then free up the rest of any investments I might have, uh, pension fund investments, to be put anywhere else in the world. Then we've got a deal. Um, I think we're going to start getting a bit more creative than we have been up until now. Well, and, and I think that that's actually, uh, you know, so, so in the back of my head, you know, not to, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I'm wondering if there's a little bit of give and take in this, you know, where, where they might, uh, you know, might do this as, as step one uh, and then say to, to retirement funds, okay, we, you know, we, we would like you to do more infrastructure projects, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, and here is the quid pro quo, but, but I'm, I'm, I mean, we can't make a prediction with with politicians, but I'm no. pretty sure uh, that th that prescribed assets is not on the table. I'm I'm pretty sure we're going to be talking about bankable projects, which is what the retirement fund industry has been asking for all along, uh, and and it's going to be one of those situations where 
the, the current rules will be clarified. New projects will be put in place in such a way that it's easy for retirement funds to invest in them because at the moment it's not. Uh, and, and so, you know, it will become almost on a per project basis rather than this thing of, you know, g give all the money to Sanral and, and just hope that they do correctly with it or in, in the past SAA or whatever the deal is. Now it's going to be, I'm hoping, you know, we're, we're building a toll road from, you know, Joburg to Bloemfontein, for example. It's already built, I know, but, but here's a project. Uh, we're going to pay you 8% a year for the next 20 years and give you your capital back. If, if that's the kind of bankable project that they allow retirement funds to invest in, great. Everyone will want to do that because... You know, we, we know that the toll roads are a great way to, to, to make money and you know, pretty consistent unless you've got COVID. And, and for retirement funds who can't get a return on cash at the moment, you know, and, and they're worried about other asset classes like shares, that, that would be a great deal. So, so I think, you know, prescribed assets is, is one of those things that just needs to be put to bed. I wish government would announce something about it and just say it's not on the table. Uh, and, and if they're going to relax exchange control somewhat within the retirement funds, wonderful. And if, the, if you know, if, if infrastructure projects is the quid pro quo, I agree with you. I mean, I think we'll all do it. But, but I don't think it's going to be a case of saying uh, you may now invest 100% of all retirement fund money overseas because we're talking about trillions of rands. Uh, and, and I just think, you know, the, the, the stock exchange here can't take that knock. You know, we need to deepen no. our capital more. It makes, it, and more fortunately, it makes no sense. And, it, and there was a moment there where we went, <gasps> No, not true. Um, anyway, I watch and um, look, there are lots of very clever people who believe this to be true and there are equally clever people who believe it to not be true. And I hope that the Financial Sector Conduct Authority comes out with a very clear, unequivocal statement very, very soon because there's a lot of uh, speculation around this. Do talk to me, please, about our listener question this evening. What countries do I buy if I buy an emerging market index? And how much of that emerging market index is South Africa? Um, so that is our question this evening. Um, an emerging market index, it would be a pretty interesting index of, I don't know, Venezuela, there'd be some Brazil. Come on. <laughs> anyway, what, what, what would go into an emerging markets index? So, so just the background to this question is it actually came up from a few uh, listeners because we've spoken about, you know, getting getting some emerging market exposure on, on the show before. And and so this this came up. And, and so if you buy it now uh, and, and you look at uh, what it will track, it tracks the, the MSCI World uh, Emerging Market Index. Uh, and and 37%, nearly nearly 38% of that is in China. Uh, the next biggest country, uh, interestingly, is actually Taiwan at just under 14%. Uh, and then Korea, then India at uh, at just under nine percent. You're right about Brazil, uh, j just under five. Then South Africa at three point six percent. So, so it's not a big constituent of the of the emerging market index at all. Um, I can't see Venezuela here. I do see Russia at, at two point eight percent, and a bit of Saudi Arabia and Thailand and Mexico and Malaysia, Indonesia. So, so a very nice big spread. Uh, and if you think about the top three, you know, China, Taiwan, South Korea. Uh, you, you know that, that's a real tech player in, in my view. You know, tech and, and, and maybe banking to some extent, and, and countries and, and sectors that you know that are doing extremely well. Uh, and, and so, you know, the fact that we've spoken about this before in the show around emerging markets, and, and now we understand the geography of this. You know, I, I'm saying to people, you know, it's a lovely set, uh, sorry, lovely set of geographies to be in. Um, and then the sectors, you, you know, you're buying basically information technology is the biggest, just under 20%. Uh, and then financials are, you know, just under 18, communication. Uh, and, and then we go down to kind of the mines, because I think in the, in the old days, people would have said, oh, but that's really, you know, you're kind of buying resources, aren't you? And, and materials only makes up, you know, just under 8%. Uh, 
so, so I think it's a, you know, very, very much at the cutting edge of where the world is going and world businesses are going with a really nice population demographic behind it of you know, a very young, productive uh, population pushing these companies ahead. So, so uh, yeah, you're not buying a lot of South Africa. So, so if you buy the index, you're not doubling up on your exposure to here if you, if you want the diversification. And you're getting you know, a wide range of industries which we can't really access from, from South Africa. You know, we just don't have access to these big tech companies that are kind of you know, the next generation of behemoths after the Americans. Can I just then uh, add a little bit of complexity? Because I'm on the Satrix um, website this evening and I see the Satrix MSCI World ETF. That's one you're just referring to. Globally developed, diversified ETF includes shares from 23 countries. But then they've got the S&P 500 Satrix, the NASDAQ 100 Satrix, the MSCI China uh, Satrix, and then ESG Enhanced, MSCI Markets, ESG Enhanced, Global Aggregate. Bo- oh, my goodness gracious me. And immediately I want to curl up in a ball and suck my thumb but only after it's been sanitized um yeah we immediately get ourselves into a bit of a tiz and it comes down to simplicity once again warren and trying to get the broadest possible spread without getting too clever uh, my, my very simple formula for someone who, who wants to get a good global uh, portfolio and wants a bit of emerging market exposure i would say you, you take uh, you know out of every hundred rand that you've got Put 70 rand into that world index, so the the, the MSCI world, and that, and that literally is what it says. It, co- it covers the world markets, but it, it's much more invested in in the developed side of the world, not the emerging market side. And then you take 30 percent and you put it into into the emerging market index. So so you are going to you're going to get a little bit of overlap, not much, but but the, yeah. but you're going to get a very nice uh, exposure to the growing part of the world, but both in population and productivity, uh, and and then you've still got exposure to the bigger um, I almost want to say the old tech companies now, you know, mainly in America. Uh, and to me, that's a very nice portfolio. I'm not going to go and choose a specifically a China index or, you know, a American index. I think that's overcomplicating it. ESG is something we're going to have to talk about a lot in the future because that that is a, a, a growing trend. But, but for now, that would be the, the portfolio I'd put together. Very simple. 70 bucks okay. in the world. 30 bucks in emerging markets. And then then a final point on this one is, can we do this then through a, um, what do they call, tax-free savings account? You can, and and certainly a lot of money, uh, tax-free savings money has gone into those. So so that's kind of a, you know, you know for me, it's a, de- a default, especially for youngsters. You know, if you, pe- people have got, you know, very young children, I always say to them, this is a great portfolio, that's 70, 30. You know, it's kind of a no-brainer, very low cost. Uh, and and again, you know, the exchange control news we've all heard about has no impact here. We've been able to do this for ages. All right, good. Um, and uh, okay, we'll, we'll look for tax-free savings accounts around that sort of option. Um, let's do that. Warren Ingram, thank you very much. I've got a question for you. Your word of the week. Now, it's a word or a phrase because we give you a little bit of leeway this week because I think I'll need to challenge. And you'll you'll get this one. But I'm gonna, I'll have other questions. What is a government bond? Um, in honor of Sean Connery, there's James Bond and then there's government bond. I want to know what is a government bond, but I'm going to give you a minute to ponder. The Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. Then I realize actually it's a very easy question for you. So I don't mean to patronize you by giving you time to think about it, Warren Ingram, but your word, your phrase, government bond, what is it? I was terrified you were going to ask me to do it in a, in a Sean Connery accent, so I'm glad you gave me a bit of time to prepare, which which means I don't have to do it. Uh, oh, thank goodness. Uh, no, I don't think anybody is, should be subjected to that. 
no, I was a bit shaken. And and so uh, a, a government bond is is basically where a government says we need to borrow money from 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 investors, and we 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 promise to pay you a particular interest rate. So let's just say in the South African context, you know, eight percent is, is is kind of a norm uh, around here. So we as government are going to borrow borrow money from you. We're going to borrow twenty billion rand as an example, and we're going to pay you eight percent a year on on that twenty billion rand every year uh, at the end of the 20 year period we're going to give you back your money again uh, and in, in structure that that is a, a government bond it's actually a very simple uh, instrument to understand uh, typically what will happen is they won't pay you the interest on a monthly basis they'll pay it uh, twice a year uh, and they generally trade in quite large amounts so, so it's not really that easy for you know for, for the likes of me for example to go and buy that just on my own it'll be fine for you Bruce so you can do the bigger amounts but, <laughs> but for the smaller investor like me why is everybody uh, picking on poor, poor little me this evening I've got Pavla telling me <laughs> I, I earn more than his mate LeBron James you're telling me no you're nonsense <laughs> so uh, I'm just a so, poor boy so from a poor family nobody loves me Scaramouche, Scaramouche, do the Fandango. <laughs> Thunderbolt and lightning. Come on. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> you know, that's my son. Uh, so, it's everybody's so, song. Uh, it should be. <laughs> so, so I think uh, uh, in structure, very simple, and and it, it it can be traded. So, so the bond market's way bigger than the stock market, and I think that's the thing. It's not very spoken about a lot because it's not as if uh, you know the bond suddenly becomes more interesting after it's you know after it's been bought, where it's being managed yeah. and it can sell more stuff or do do more things. It, it's just a very basic uh, you know investment. The the only complexity around that is if interest rates in general start to move. So for example, you, you buy your government bond at 8% and then the government says, gee, we, we're actually dropping interest rates. What that will mean is if you bought the bond, you can actually sell it to someone else at a higher price. So the bond price can move and it moves because of interest rates. So that that's really the, the complexity of bonds. Other than that, very simple and not to be confused with RSA retail bonds, which are basically fixed deposits. So, so that's where people do get yeah. confused from time to time. It's a mechanism for countries to raise money. And I mean, in a world where global interest rates are as low as they are, South African bonds, uh, government bonds, because we are now sub-investment grade across all of the big international ratings agencies, are paying considerably more or higher rates, higher returns than, say, a Norwegian bond, if it ever issued one, or a UK bond or, or many else, others in the world because there is a belief that government may do what Zambia did this week, and that is default, not pay the interest bill. Well, that, that's true, but but at the same time, uh, you, you know, you can buy, you can actually buy insurance against against something like that, you know, credit default swap. So 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 the, a lot of institutions overseas will look at South Africa now, do their calculations, and say, you know what, uh, you know, if we can get a decent yield, even though uh, you know interest rate, it's, it's not not to use jargon, and and if we have to pay away two or three percent of that interest to to get the insurance. It's still a great deal, you know. So, so a lot of uh, the, the international funds and, and international investors will be looking at that. And just to give you an idea, I got a quote the other day. If you wanted to to put a hundred thousand uh, Swiss francs in a Swiss bank at the moment for for a couple of years, you would have to pay the Swiss bank 0.75 percent a year for every year that you've got the money deposited in their bank, and they're going to use it on your behalf. So, so at the moment, you know, interest rates like ours become incredibly attractive for overseas investors. 
which is precisely why I've not put 100,000, how much dollars, <laughs> into a Swiss bank account. Thank you, Warren Ingram from Galileo Capital, financial advisor, translator of complex financial concepts for us on a Thursday night. Wrapping up this evening's edition of The Money Show. Thank you for listening. Looking forward to being in your company again tomorrow. We've got some fabulous tales to tell, including our Friday files. Somebody doing something incredibly creative for money. Till then, good night.